This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hi, everybody. This is Kimberly. And this is Katie. And you're listening to A Date with Dateline. Tonight's episode is called Under the Desert Sky. It is a repeat. It first aired uh, January 4th, 2013. It is season 21, episode 14. And because I am very, very busy with another business I have, that makes it sound like I'm a prostitute. It doesn't. I thought it made you sound professional. I really? Oh, I have many endeavors. I have My many professional like, endeavors. Oh, maybe, maybe she's a realtor. Okay. That's what... Okay, yes. I have many side projects, including my getting my realty license. No, I'm not. No. I kind of... It's a really hard test. Is it? <laughs> yeah, it is. Oh, gosh. Um, I'd have to study? No, I'm not into that. A lot so, of studying. Because... Like memorizing. Oh. Uh, um, so because of that, Katie has been gracious enough to take over the recapping for this week. So I'm basically doing nothing. I'm just going to sit here, like lay back, just chillax and just interject quips, probably, about someone's day. hair. But this is my best day ever. I didn't have to do anything. She did Twitter. She did the recaps. She did everything. Also, if you don't like the idea of me doing the recap, now is your <laughs> advance warning to turn off <laughs> Turn off this the episode. Because this could go horribly wrong. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. You're going to do great. Yep. This is going to be a very special episode. That's I think we did like we're doing like a freaky Friday thing like where we take over each other's jobs and then we come back with this awareness and appreciation of what the other person does. It is. It's like when Kimberly edits for the first time, it's going to be I'm going to be like a whole new world. Yeah, that's true. So we open under the desert sky, not to be confused with under the prairie sky. Which Which one was that? it was one of the first episodes we covered, and I believe it was the one where they were in Montana driving from one end of the state to the other. It was the couple. Who was murdered? Was the, the girl with the really messy car, and the car was discovered, and it was filled with Mountain Dew. Oh, <laughs> gosh. Stuff. We've had so many messy cars, but I keep thinking of the guy who had toilet paper in his back seat. Do you remember Is him? Be- yes, that was I a do. different guy, and he had like a roll that was em- that was like rolled out. And... Nothing else in the car. That's yeah. what the, it was sort of a clean car, but then a weird random roll of toilet paper. Okay. That's a good idea. So, Under the Desert Sky, we open with Wendover Will. Also, did we mention that this is narrated by Keith Morrison? I don't know if we talked about that. Oh, no, that I yet. didn't mention. Sorry, Keith. Yeah, which is Arlene extremely King. important. Because he has, there are some shots of him in this episode, some wide sweeping yes. desert shots that are very. Very romantic. I very was dr- just going to say romantic a and romance novel cover. Really? He, He's he, in his leather jacket kind of yeah. sitting slash leaning on a fence. And the backdrop uh-huh. is a desert mountainscape. Uh-huh. And the book would be called Sensuality in the <laughs> Sand or something. I don't know. I, it's good. It's good. It's a million dollar idea. Okay. Good. So... Wendover Will is a giant neon cowboy that sits atop West Wendover, Nevada. Now, 
I don't know why they have a giant neon cowboy because the town itself has about 4,000 people in it. So that's yeah, I a was very confusing. confused because isn't there a dude kind of like that in Reno? There, there's a dude like that in Vegas. Yeah, so I thought we were in Reno for quite a while because I was. And we're really very, very far from Reno. Yeah. So Wendover, I looked on a map, is a few miles from the border of Utah. So we do get some good Mormon stuff in this episode, but that's why because it's a hop, skip, and a jump. So our heroine slash victim in the story is Mickey Costanzo. Mickey Costanzo is a 16-year-old high schooler. She is on a million sports teams. She's a great student. She's well-liked. She's really popular. She's really pretty, by all accounts. Yeah, she's very cute. Would you say? But she is also... Sorry, and they switch back and forth between Michaela and Mickey the whole episode. Yeah. Whether they're being very serious or lighthearted. So, (laughs) regardless... It's March, it's 2011, and Mickey is walking home from school after uh, sports practice. I think she's on the basketball team. And the only reason that she's walking home on this particular day, she lives about a mile away from the high school. Normally, her sister Christina picks her up from school, but this day, Christina is in Las Vegas with her husband at NASCAR. Yeah. Yeah, it's bad timing. So... Christina is away, Uh, Mickey's mom is at work, and Mickey's other sister, DJ, is visiting a college or is at college. I couldn't really tell, but she's not there either. So normally she gets a ride. Today she's walking home. Now, Mickey's mom says that Mickey is reliable to a fault. She is the kind of person that will text you when school's letting out, hey, I'm going to practice. And then Mm -hmm. she would text, hey... I'm going to walk home now. Practice is over. Hey, I'm Mm -hmm. home now. So Mickey's mom gets nervous when she's at work and not getting these check-in texts from Mickey. So the mom goes home and only the daughter DJ is there. And the mom flips out and is like, something's horribly wrong. Mickey's missing. DJ also freaks out, which, okay, this is definitely. It was a fast freak out too. We get the idea though. If Mickey is all the time one way and then is just radio silent. Yeah, you freak out. Yeah. It breaks the pattern. So they are calling and calling and calling and calling and the phone rings through once and then goes straight to voicemail every other time. They call Christina, who's at NASCAR, and Christina's the other sister and has not heard anything either. But Christina's not as worried as the mom and DJ. Christina thinks maybe she's actually out being a real teenager for once, pretty much. Hopefully she's having fun. Before they even contact the police, DJ is contacting all the friends. They have about a hundred. They have almost a hundred people out searching for oh, Michaela yeah. before the police are even. Yeah, you know, the police excited. are even contacted. I love so, a search party. Yeah, you do. But they didn't go into any details. About I know. The party I didn't get quadrants. I didn't get big maps. Oh. I didn't get cases of Gatorade. I'm sorry about that. You it's got okay. nothing. Okay, so. The police get involved. They start looking at the most likely person to have seen her last, which is the boyfriend. And we get a very... Oh, my God. Is he 12? He's the cutest little boy I've ever seen. We we basically get to see him for about 30 seconds, which at at the beginning of the episode, you don't know that. But I'm just going to lay that out there right now. We see Javier, who is the boyfriend who looks like he's maybe 11. Yeah. But adorable. Like he should be on a Disney show. Didn't you find him cute? 
I put that he was a dorky acne teenager. I Wait, I gotta. I'm gonna go back because maybe all. I'm totally wrong. But they bring Javier into the station, and Javier obviously has nothing to do with it. Has not seen her. Doesn't know where she is. He was so um, genuine in his like responses to the police, though. He was not like a normal teenager that would be like, yeah, whatever. He was like very. Ge- he goes, she's not the kind of girl. If things were bothering her, she would tell me. She would talk about it. We talked about things, you know. If something was bothering her, I thought that was really cute. Did you think it was really cute that he didn't seem worried that she had been missing and that there's a search party of almost 100 people? And I'm sorry, but almost 100 people in a town of 4,000 is, is a lot, a of, lot people. of people. Yeah, that's and true. From, and they keep he doing He is adorable. Airy- what are you talking? He looks like one of those, like he should be on Bug Juice on Disney, which was my favorite. Do you remember Bug Juice where they I were all at camp? Bug Juice. He looks I do not totally think. like one of those boys. She looks way too young for her. It's kind of creepy. He did. That's what I he put. does look like a boy. Because looks... she is, she's a 16-year-old, so she's, yeah. you know, wearing makeup and yeah. trying to be cute and adult, which is what you do when you're 16. He looks like he's still in junior high. Oh, for sure. But yeah. anyways, so Javier hasn't seen her. He obviously has nothing to do with whatever has happened to her. Because he so weighs they... like 80 pounds. Right, because he's and is nine years old, approximately. That is, and is approximately yeah. So they decide to start looking at her phone because that's going to give them a better idea of who she was talking to after her practice and after school. And there is one phone number that keeps coming up, and that's only up until five p.m. and then everything stops from her end. And all of those calls are to Cody Patton. Dun, dun, dun. Uh. Cody is one of Michaela's oldest friends. Um, but at this point in the episode, the mom in her interview with Keith does discuss that Mickey wasn't allowed to date. And my question was, does Javier know that? No, she wasn't allowed to date until she was 16. That's why she had never dated Cody. Oh, I see. Because Cody and her had, had kind always of, been friends, but never dated because like she wasn't friends, allowed to date. Friends in quotes. We don't know. We can maybe guess. I can guess. I okay. think there maybe was like puppy love. I think so. Cody's called into the station and he tells the police that he saw her around 530 p.m. And he saw her out front of the school leaving with someone that he assumed was her boyfriend. Now, at this point, we find out that Cody is engaged and he's living with his fiance's parents. It's sort of because that's he's all the information. 19. Yeah. Because he's 19. And she's still in high school. The fiance. Correct. Yeah. And here's when we get a beautiful shot that is widening out of Keith in a leather jacket against a night desert backdrop. So beautiful. So, like a right. painting. It is. I mean, there are some, and they also keep doing aerial shots of the town the whole time, which is bizarre because you see these massive buildings, which you can only assume are casinos. And mm-hmm. then everything else is just, I don't know how to describe it, sort of dingy. It was run down. It is not it, a wealthy town. No. And I felt like that those aerial shots could have been the money that was used to do those aerial shots could have been better used to maybe do some renovations in the town. To help the town. Yeah. I know that's true. Let's NBC, take away on. these three aerial shots and we're going to kick that money towards the high school or something. The high school can get new uniforms. Yeah. Right. 
So the sister Christina is, it's been a day now. It's the next day. Christina understands that, all right, there's no way that Mickey would stay out all night. She's coming back from NASCAR early, tells her husband, get in the car. We're going back to look for Mickey. Now, Christina is a crying sister. I'm going to put that out there. She didn't bother me. I think she's a good crying sister. I think both of the sisters are excellent. DJ and Christina, we get a lot of camera time with them. They're genuine. They didn't bug me at all. Great. I'm very happy to hear it. You see that I'm nervously looking at you. Right. All right. So Christina tells, Christina drives back from Vegas, no more NASCAR, and she tells her mom, I'm going to find her and I'm going to bring her home. She drives around all night that night. And this is the first time we hear about the gravel pits, which I can only assume are somewhere in this sort of desolate wasteland, these giant mounds of gravel. So Saturday morning, now we are not not quite 48 hours, but a few days out. One of the searchers in the mass search for Mickey sees fresh tire tracks in this sort of remote part of the desert. Which I'm always happy when a search party actually finds something. Didn't you think Christina was going to find her? They sort of set it up when Christina says, I'm going to find her. She didn't. They kind of made it like she there was something there she just didn't know it was there she instinctively was kind of near the area drawn to these gravel pits but then also i was nervous when they said the searcher sees fresh tire tracks i said well there's christina driving through i thought maybe it was christina's car (laughs) i did get i got a little nervous but the searcher is smart looks around and sees some blood in some sagebrush nearby these tire tracks and immediately calls the detectives the detectives come in and start to dig and find part of a body now the town keep in mind is very very small so they don't have exactly a task force or a forensic team to come out and dig up this body so they have to call in forensics from reno which is the opposite end of the state it's 400 miles away to come so they just have to set up basically a crime scene perimeter and leave her there they unearth poor Michaela after the Reno forensic team gets in, and they don't get any DNA or forensic evidence anyways. So it appears that she has been beaten pretty badly. She's been cut in the face a lot, which is unfortunate. Her neck was cut. She was stabbed. And it's basically a really aggressive murder. Um, There's a zip tie that's attached to her wrist. So this is important because there's no other forensic evidence. And also, how is there... There's nothing on the zip tie? No DNA on the zip tie whatsoever? I don't get that, but that's fine. You would have to touch the zip tie and pull it. Yeah, unless they were wearing gloves. I don't get how there's no DNA, but... Yeah, I I don't either. So the detectives assume that she has been actually kidnapped and taken from school and then murdered. Now they start looking at the video surveillance camera footage from the actual school, which I found surprising because, I mean, it's a small town. There's one high school and they've got video cameras. So maybe every school now just has video cameras. I don't think my school had video cameras. No, mine didn't. So when they start looking at the surveillance footage, they see that Cody Patton was shown on these cameras and he's near what they call the Southwest doors. It's basically the back door entrance to the school. Now, Cody in his police interview had said that he had seen Mickey leave through the front door with a guy who he didn't know who he was, who he assumed was her boyfriend. But the video is showing something different. It's clearly showing Mickey near the back doors of the school. And then you don't see her anymore. And it's also showing Cody in the same area. 
now we have a tiny interview with the mom who says that Cody has a tough temper. So this is our first sort of glimpse that Cody has some struggles. He's struggling at school and he's having he some, some home demons. troubles. Yes. And he has had to move in with his fiance, Tony Fredo. And who is a girl. Tony with an eye. Oh, was it her- Tony with an eye? Yes, Tony with an eye. Okay. And and her parents, Cassie and Claude. We'll get to them. Yeah. And it's the only reason Cassie and Claude, Claude? I think, couldn't, Claude <laughs> could not look more like a Cassie and Claude <laughs> if they tried. So obviously they need to call Cody back into the station. And Cody says something at this point that he had been calling and texting Mickey so much that day because he needed her to help him move some car parts. Okay, that makes zero sense. She was like a tiny little girl. She was a tiny girl. And also, Cody, we should probably mention, I saw two varying things on this. Dateline says he's 6'6". Six, six. Uh, I saw another thing that said he was 6'8". He's, he's a, a strapping young man. He yeah. is a giant ginger? Yeah, he, he was looks, a little gingery. He looks gingery, yeah. He's so. definitely my type. But he should have really asked a dude friend to help him or a larger lady friend. I don't want to discriminate, but maybe not to help him move some car parts, which when you say car parts, I feel like it's like big things like a door. I don't know. So it's (laughs) just it's really bizarre. Hold this door for me, Mickey. She would fall over if you handed her a door. So for some reason, even though he's living with Cassie and Claude. Fredo, he goes to this po- this police interview, uh, the second police interview with his father, Kip. Sorry, I don't know. Kip I like Kip. The name Kip Patton just sounds like yeah, something. Sounds like maybe he's a secret superhero, but he's definitely He's a not. winner. I could see that. Because he didn't get interviewed? No, I liked him. We'll get Because to he was it. smoking cigarettes? Okay. Anyways. The dad? Yeah. Was he smoking cigarettes? Weren't there pictures of him smoking cigarettes? I don't know. These details. Basically, Cody's in the police interview, and the police are not getting what they want from Cody. Cody is denying everything. Cody says, can we stop for a second? I really need to talk to my dad. The the police allow Kip to go in and talk to Cody, and we don't know what exactly happened. For some reason, this is the only police station ever without surveillance cameras in the interview room or video. But the detective says you can hear Kip, the father, just start wailing. He's, That's why I like Kip. Oh, really? Because obviously Cody had tell, told him something really bad. And the police come back in and Kip says to Cody, you got to start fixing this now as That's much as I you like can. That's why I like Kip. Mm-hmm. Really? What you did was heinous, which is not good. So now we're going to get Cody's story as he's been convinced by his dad that he needs to confess. So Cody says... He picked up Mickey at the school and Mickey started, I don't know why he picked her up. Maybe it was under the ruse of giving her a ride home. We don't know. Mickey gets in the car and starts insisting that Cody needs to break it off with his fiance because he needs to start dating her. So they get in sort of a big argument. And I guess they're, according to him, just driving around. They stop. And she's like begging him to date her. Yes. he's Even though he's engaged and she's happily with a boyfriend. Right. Okay. So they, they're they driving around, and he stops the car. They get out, apparently by these gravel pits, and she starts hitting him. 
and she's hitting him, hitting him, and he pushes her. She falls back, hits her head, which is, I feel like, a story we hear constantly. So It happened on Degrassi. It did? And someone died? It did died? happen on Degrassi. She was in a coma. The, if I it think happened that, on Degrassi, that, it could happen That base in of the skull is very susceptible to injury. But you'd really have Oliver. to lose your balance to fall back, hit your head, and not brace yourself with your hands. Oh, that's interesting. Unless you've been pushed. And he, he did say he pushed her, so he must have pushed her hard if that's this is true. the real story. I'm kind of picturing them falling like a fainting, like Maybe. stiff like a board and then oh, falls yeah, back. No. You know, no, that's you probably would brace, not really you would brace how you yourself. Fall. Yeah. So after she's fallen, she starts to shake and seize, I guess. She starts seizing up and he... This is, this is his story. He decided to grab a shovel from the inside of his car and hit her on the head to try to knock her out. So I don't know if that's like you're putting the deer out of its misery that you hit or. He said what? it was just to knock her out yeah. so that she would stop shaking. You have to think that's going to kill the person. Right. That- of course. Because then. The next thing that he decides to do is he says he cut her throat to stifle the sound. Yeah, he kind of says he flipped out at that point. That he admits was not a rational decision. Right. Like any of it was rational. He he puts her in a shallow grave that he dug. And then I have in parentheses, well, when did he dig that? Just when? Well, after, in this version of the story. In this With version, the shovel that he happened to have in his car. Okay, that's he what never this goes story into is. the digging of the grave. He right. Just so says, I would assume it would be after, because in I this so. story, it's not premeditated. So this he wouldn't story, have had a. This is also grave. yeah story number one. We yeah. should yeah. And so then he takes off his clothes and burns them in a gravel pit nearby. He does. So he was naked. No, I think he took off his jacket. I'm assuming he took off maybe his sweatshirt. They never go into what clothes were burned, but the burning. I kind of the feel clothes... like he stripped down to his boxers and then screamed to the heavens because just ripping his clothes off because he was in such a shock at what he did. I don't think so. I don't think. No, I don't. Know. I'm just saying in that story, that's what would fit. So I guess the most important part of his story is that he did this all by himself. He got in an yeah. argument with Mickey. It was all alone. So he's cuffed, charged with murder. Done. Enter John Olson, who is the defense attorney. That is going to be defending Cody. So, by the way, during this entire confession, Cody has decided not to get a lawyer, which, again, okay, sure. So maybe the dad is not a winner because I love the dad because he got the son to confess and said, do the right thing. But I did ask my parents what they would have me do. And they said, get a lawyer first and then confess. Immediately. Anyways, John Olson, defense attorney extraordinaire, whose specialty is keeping people off death row. So this is because he admits Cody did it. He never tries to say Cody didn't do it. No, and this is clearly if there was ever a death penalty case, it's yeah. a teenage girl. This is in and you the confessed. words of Kip. It's a heinous crime. In the words of Kip, it's not great. wise. Wise Kip. So Mickey's family, on the other hand, is now completely shocked that it's Cody. Christina has this conversation with her husband who says, that's not Cody. Somebody made him do this. And the family is kind of in agreement on that. They're not pushing for the death penalty because they think something else is behind it. And clearly someone else is. Mm -hmm. So enter Tony Fredo. Now Mm -hmm. we get to see and meet the lovely Tony, 
who is wait i'm sorry the interesting tony <laughs> tony tony is described as deadpan by john olson the defense attorney i think she always talks like that i think like she'd come up to you and go oh my gosh the most amazing thing just happened i got accepted to the college of my dreams my life is so happy. And I'd be like, are you smiling, Tony? Yeah, which is Yes, fine. I'm grinning. How can't you tell? But then you pair that with Tony's black dead eyes. And <laughs> she does. She has those eyes that she are has, like... She has like no ev- pupils. It's she has all the eyes, one color. Like, the Evan Peter- Peters eyes. That's yes. what I call them. Yeah, where yes. they have that thing. Our friend has them too. Where it's just, they're so dark, they don't have pupils. Yeah. So Tony's parents go out of town I don't know how this happens, but Kip, again, your favorite, enters mm-hmm. the picture and convinces Tony that she needs to go and tell the defense attorneys the real story of what happened the night Mickey died. See, Kip is a hero. He's riding on his white horse all over town, gathering up the guilty parties and just going, come on, guys, we're going into the police station. He has a way with them. They just go, okay, Kip, I'll come with you. Okay, so you have a much higher opinion of Kip because... My first response is they very clearly in the episode state that Tony goes to talk to the defense attorney in her pajamas with Cody's father. What the heck is Kip doing at Tony's house with no parents home and and Tony's in her pajamas? Well, I think she maybe went there or called him and was very upset because one of the girls in the Skylar niece case, I think, confessed in her pajamas. Do you think that you're just so up, you're just so distraught? Does Tony seem like a distraught kind of person? No, that's to true. You? No, that's true. So, so again, you think he went and wrangled her and forced why her to is, go in? I just without don't know why. Dressed. Why Kip is hanging out with Tony in her pajamas? I feel like it's inappropriate. Well, I think to be hanging out with this 16 year old girl. I know, but I think he probably went there, knocked on the door, and said, "My son's in prison." I know you know something. You need to come with me. Now, a logical parent would say, I have to wait till your parents come back into town. But we don't know what Tony's capable of in the meantime. So he's like, your parents are not taking care of their child. I'm going to take care of you for them. You know? Okay. Tony's parents go out of town. Well, there's like a murder thing going on. So... I would not trust them to turn in their daughter. So we, I would do it for them. We should also probably note, I don't think I mentioned that Tony's parents are very Mormon. Yes, they are. This is a very Mormon family. They're both wearing, in their interview, Cassie and Claude both have these pins on. Oh, She's got they? a necklace and he's got a pin on his tie that I don't know what they are, but I'm assuming it has something to do with the Latter-day Saints. All right. So now we get the second version of the story from Tony. And she, by the way, is not smart enough to understand that telling this story to the defense attorney is not the same thing as confessing to a crime to law enforcement. But so we'll get he, to that. So Kip did not take her to the police station. No, he Kip, took her to the lawyer's Kip office. Kip takes her to the lawyer's office because he's Kip's entire shtick is trying to get Cody off get the death penalty off the table for Cody. Right. Right. So he needs anything that he can get. So right. what Tony says happened is that she gets a text from Cody that says, I have her. Cody comes, picks up Tony, and she sees that Mickey's in the car. The three of them are driving around for a while and end up at the gravel pits. Cody and Mickey get out of the car, start screaming at each other. 
Tony looks away and for basically a second and hears a thud. And she doesn't know if it's against the car, against something, she hears a thud. And that's when Mickey is on the ground. At this point, Cody starts digging a grave. They both move her to the grave and then start kicking and punching her. Yes. And then they both cut her throat. Together. Yes, they both cut her throat. So I don't exactly know when... Okay, yeah. They said they... They placed her body in the grave, took turns splitting her throat. So I don't know when she got hit with the shovel. When the thud happened. Two of them. Oh, okay. They think that was the shovel? Sorry. I think the, that was the The thud. only reason I'm trying to figure it out is because that becomes a little important later. Because the story, again, is going to change when we get to court. But the most important thing is they basically murdered her together. They both cut her throat. They took turns slitting her throat, which is the most horrific thing I've ever heard. Obviously, this is going to get turned over to the police. The defense attorney immediately turns it over. And because he has no client attorney privilege with Tony. Right. Because um, Tony and Cody are not married. Right. They were married. Would that have been binding? That's a really good question. I'm not sure about that. I'm really I'm not sure. But Tony's parents are obviously devastated. They say no one could have seen this coming. They think that someone coerced her into doing this. Um, Also, this is the point. We learned several important facts about Tony. Number one is that she doesn't really have any friends. I'm not she she has very few friends outside of her family and Cody. When someone says you have very few friends, it means you don't have any friends. She has Cody. Because if you do have friends, they say a handful of good friends. And they would have been on Dateline. Yes. Good point. So also, Tony was a beauty pageant queen. <laughs> something that they say. Because she was in West Wendover Junior Miss. Now, that technically is not correct. It's because not? Because I don't know if she was in multiple beauty pageants or if that was the one she was in. Because I was in Junior Miss. I was in that pageant. It's a pageant for high schoolers. Do you have pictures? Yeah. I sang Chim Chimini. That's my talent. <gasps> dressed as a chimney sweep. Oh my gosh. In a British that's accent. Adorable. And then they brought the lights down halfway through my talent because they thought <gasps> it was the end of the song. And I said into the mic, I'm not finished. <laughs> and then they brought it back up. And you could hear my dad in the auditorium and he was howling and he goes, That's my Kate. Yeah. It was it was a good moment. I did not win. I did not place. I did nothing. And we had to do a fitness dance number, fitness style dance number. Like Drop Dead Gorgeous? Yeah. It was really bad. My mom made me do it because you win like scholarship money. I wasn't going to win. I did not want to do it. I laughed a lot. I got in trouble. I was not a good participant. But anyways, just saying. So happy right now. If that's the only pageant that she was in. But they do show a picture of her in her beauty pageant attire and sash, which we'll get to. Because it makes me think that she was in more than one beauty pageant. I think she was. I think she was. And also, I'm going to tell you all about the title that she's showing in the sash. Because I know about it from Toddlers and Tiaras. I know what it means. (gasps) So, okay. I've got good information on that. Anyways, moving on. We find out that she has no friends and that she did beauty pageants. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. And then they, the parents start with the defense of their lovely daughter who couldn't possibly have done this on her own. Cody was abusive. Cody yes. was very, very they possessive. They pull out the abusive. Right. But they have a little bit of backup because there is some sort of school, again, school video surveillance of Cody and Tony fighting in the hall. And then Cody grabbing Tony around the neck and screaming at her. I did not see that in the video. I'm assuming they didn't I show it. it. It looked grabby. It was definitely manhandling. Okay. He was at least I, grabbing her arm and he kind of yanks her away. It didn't look not great good. for Cody. Yeah. It doesn't also look great that, Co- that the parents are like, well, he was abusive, but he could live with us. That's fine. Live at our house. Well, the only thing I could think of with that was it was the same as Nicole and Azin on 90 Day Fiance, where she wanted to bring May to Morocco. And do you know what I'm talking about? And then the parents were like, we either pay for him to come here or she's going to go live in Morocco. That's exactly what it was. In all the interviews that I read outside, they were more worried that she was so enamored with him that she was going to move out. Like elope and run away and they'd never see her again. Right. So they were like, at least we'll have him under our roof where we can keep an eye on him. And Also, it's odd because the dad had, Claude had said that he was like a son to him. So I... (laughs) I don't know how someone would be like a son to you and also abusing your daughter, but that's cool. We'll get to it. So He said that? Yes, he did. He says it. So she didn't report any of this abuse because he wouldn't be able to get into the Marines. And that was his goal in life was to be a Marine. And if he had this on his record, he wouldn't be able to get him in. It's sort of suggested that maybe she wanted him to get into the Marines so bad to get him away from her. But oh, okay. I, I don't know about that. I so, sort of thought it was like she was trying to fix him so badly I think it and was she thought the Marines could fix him too and make oh, him a stand-up guy. I definitely think it was much more along those lines. So the parents go on to claim that Tony's a victim. She was afraid for her life. That's why she helped him in this murder. She was basically Cody's other victim. She was afraid that she was going to be next. And the defense attorney says... Baloney. <laughs> I was really <laughs> excited about that. So then we get into 2012, the plea deals start coming for Cody and Tony. Cody says that he would plead guilty to murder with no death penalty and a possibility of parole if he testifies against Tony. That's his plea deal. So he takes the deal, but then changes his mind and decides not to take the deal and he wants to take his chances in court. He's loyal to Tony to a fault. I. He was willing to go down with this whole ship without incriminating her. 
Yeah, which is... Her? Her? For her, you're willing to do that? Is she funny? Then Tony gets offered a deal, and her deal is great. It's second-degree murder with a chance of parole after 18 years. So, I mean, she'll get out in her late 30s, basically. It's crazy. But she has to testify against Cody. She agrees immediately. She says, yep, I will flip on him. She flips on him No problem. Now we have Tony going in to her sentencing hearing, and she basically has to relay her story once again. But this time it's a whole new story. So we have story number three. So story number three is that Cody was upset with Mickey. He just couldn't stand the sound of her voice. He picks her up. The text still happens, which is, I have her. Goes and picks up Tony. They drive around. But this time, Mickey is kind of stuck in the back seat with her hands up by her face, which I'm I'm guessing is sort of referring to the fact that she was zip-tied. So Cody had done this. So in this story, Tony is terrified. They are driving towards the gravel pits, and somehow Cody manages to text Tony, we have to kill her. Right, because he doesn't want to say it in front of Mickey, because then Mickey will freak out. And Mickey's already zip-tied, though. So I guess they're they're texting and driving, which is... Yeah, unsafe very dangerous and tony mouths why and cody uh, i don't know has murder in his eyes whatever nonsense yeah. she comes up with cody pulls over and starts digging a hole so now the hole is dug before First. anything happens right <laughs> takes mickey from the car in this in this version cody's very organized Oh, yeah. He's like, I can't kill her until I have my hole, Tony. <laughs> you know you have to have the hole first. And so, you know the order. Hole, then murder. He pulls Mickey out of the car, tells Tony that she needs to hit Mickey. Tony insists Why that she's- we don't know why he would want this, again, even smaller girl than Mickey. Tony yeah. is very small. Right. But he wants her to hit Mickey. Even with the shovel, I think, and I'm assuming shot. Right, I'm assuming they mean the shovel at yes. this point. Yes. So Tony says that she was terrified, so she backed off because Cody kept hitting Mickey, and so then at some point Mickey's on the ground. Cody pushes her to the hole and gets on top of her, and Tony is holding her legs down. And it is yeah. at this point that Cody cuts her neck. Just Cody, not the marriage cutting. Cody's <laughs> the doing wedding that. cake cutting. And then at some point during all of this, the timeline's really screwy. I guess Mickey looks up at Cody and says, Am I still here? Am I still alive? And at this point, Tony goes and sits in the car. And she doesn't know what happened after Cause that. Tony's back yeah, because Tony's back was to her. Right, and I also don't understand how she's talking if her 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 throat's already been. Yeah, that don't, that don't they, make the sense. story timeline does not make any sense. But regardless, she sits in the car while Cody finishes the job and buries this poor girl. Then they drive off and get drinks at McDonald's. Oh my gosh, because so she was cool. terrified, and after right. you're terrified, you, you need, need a cold drink, a shamrock shake. They cross into Utah. And they burn their clothes in the desert. Again, burning clothes. So, but it's a totally new story. And right before commercial break, Keith dun, 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 teases us that Tony had left something behind. <gasps> Ooh. And then we go to Happy Honda Days. So then we come back. <laughs> a lot of Happy Honda Days. Yes. Every commercial break. 
And then finally we get a shot of Keith and Wendover Will, the giant neon light-up cowboy, together, at which point I've decided that Keith should be Wendover Will every year for Halloween. 100%. Every year. Because he could do a lean that's sort of like a tilt, like an animatronic like you're waving. cowboy waving tilt, you know, right, like you're exactly. in It's a Small World. And Keith would just be like, leaning, upright, leaning, upright. I'm, I'm really happy about it. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm going to suggest He looked like to Woody him. from Toy's Toy Story. So we come back from commercial and Keith is telling us that Tony's story doesn't make a lot of sense, obviously, because we had already been told that she was writing him love letters when Cody was in jail and basically whispering sweet nothings to him in their jailhouse conversations when she'd come but visit him. in Tony's defense, and that's the last time you'll hear me say that phrase, sometimes abuse victims are very lovey-dovey with their abuser when things are good, you know, and they are still in love with their abuser. It's a complicated relationship. But... Uh I'll give you that. I still don't buy a word of her story. Now enter Tony's diary. Now, for some reason, she's given the diary to Cody's parents. Kip has Again, the diary. because Kip has a magical words that are like one of those truth-telling, like he's whatever, I don't know what I'm thinking of. Are you but thinking like, of a soothsayer? Yes, and, and, and anything they ask you, you just are hypnotized into telling the truth. Like a tarot reader. Like a fortune no, teller. No, it's like literally magic. When they're speaking, it's like they've given you truth serum and you're hypnotized and you have to tell them the truth. Okay. I feel it. it's from something. I don't know what it's from. But you think you have Veracimatu? What is it in Harry Potter? What's it called? That would be the serum that was given that's What's the truth telling. Um, Veritaserum. Veritaserum. Okay, so the diary. All of her insecurities are about Cody leaving her for someone else. And he doesn't really love me. He should really just be with Mickey. They, they might as, we might as well break up so they can get back together. So apparently Cody and Mickey were together at some point, as told by Tony's diary, when they were, who knows, in junior high, whatever. Then at one point she tries to overdose with four aspirins. Oh my God, that killed it's fine. me. Yeah, it killed a lot of people. Four aspirins. Yeah, four aspirins. Granted, she is one of those 85-pound girls, but still. So Cody didn't really apparently have a reason to hurt Michaela. But Tony, according to this diary, was really paranoid about her. Thought she was going to yeah. steal Cody away. She was really, really jealous. And according to Mickey's sisters, Tony would scream at Cody and or Mickey if he was ever seen talking to Mickey. Cody and Mickey could not be together. And if Tony saw it, she'd freak out. And Also, she would just say snide comments when she'd walk by Mickey exactly. for zero reason. She had a deep, deep-seated hatred for Mickey. Yeah, irrational hatred. It was pretty bad. And even if Cody was caught talking to one of the sisters of Mickey, he would get in trouble. The sister said like, that he would have sister. to, he would have to run away. To to. He'd be like, no, no, I'm not allowed to talk to you. So Christina, and we should say that Mickey hated drama. Yes, Mickey was a cool, fun girl, and she hated when people were mad at her. Mm -hmm. She didn't want to be in fights with anybody. She hated drama. So this was probably torture for her, having this guy that she's been friends with since she was a kid, and his girlfriend is psycho and screams at you whenever you talk to him, or screams at your sisters when they talk to him for no reason. Right. It's becoming more apparent that. 
Tony was the driving force in the relationship. And the sisters, Mickey's sisters, say this is what makes sense to them. Right. They were baffled by it being just Cody. But when right. they hear about Tony's involvement, they're like, now I get it. So after all of this has happened, it's time for Cody's second plea deal, which is he just pleads guilty to first degree murder and the death penalty is off the table. So his defense attorney did a good job, but he never has to go to trial. So it is hearing... It's pretty sad. He apologizes to the family. He does seem sad, but he does. He was really close to Mickey. He is crying, and he just says, "Sorry, sorry, sorry." Yeah, it's. But he is. He has emotions coming out. Oh, oh, for sure. Of which she has zero. So zero emotions. He has given life without the possibility of parole, which the family's happy about. They do think that he should get life. I just don't think they were really pushing for the death penalty for him. No, because so, I think they, they he was like a second son to them. He grew up at their house, hanging around. They probably knew his parents. And they were like, we see the good in Cody. Right. Even though he did this horrible thing, we still think he's redeemable. And we see that he was, at one point, a good person and was steered wrong. I still think they're a little easy on him. But he did kill. I mean, well, we don't know exactly. Okay, so... We don't anyway. know, but... So now... The best part of the episode happens when we get an interview with Tony. Unfortunately, Cody declines a Dateline interview, but we get to go and see Tony in her prison garb with a Katniss braid in her hair. It's amazing. No, it was like a side bun. Yeah, with the Katniss braid. Oh, you're right. On front, yeah. Over the top. So because she's a warrior. Do you think her roommate did that for her? I don't know. Her roommate in prison? No. bunkmate? Every time I see her, she's got a damn braid. She it's looks a lot like one of Warren Jeff's wives. Okay, so in our Dateline interview, Tony's mother watches through the glass as Keith interviews Tony on the other side. Now, the mom can't say anything. Well, that's but the she only can... way they would agree to the interview. Is the mom is if... had to be there. Also, and with an earpiece, right? Right. And, and, and isn't, doesn't Tony have an earpiece where the mom can say things to her? No. No, the mom can't say anything to them but she can listen to everything that was are you sure positive okay 100 positive they say that okay so tony says to keith that she was definitely not jealous of michaela she said the entries from her diary from were from a long time ago and if you notice that nothing recently in the diary talks about her being upset with michaela so now keith tries to push a little bit and get her to talk about what actually happened the night of the murder Now, the thing I found the most interesting about this is she says in answering Keith's questions that she hit her with a shovel. But in the courthouse statement, I don't remember her saying that she hit him with a hit her with a shovel. Well, the way you were doing the recap, you said Cody ordered her to hit her with the shovel. And then she didn't do it. She got she wanted to get out. So she just like sat in the car. I think she was very unclear with her story. So I think. Maybe don't really know. It's a little confusing. So she, that's weird. Yeah. It surprised me in the interview with Keith that she said she hit her with the shovel. And I was like, that's bizarre because she never really admits to that. Uh-huh. So, sorry. They're great in the Dateline interview because they say that she kept distancing herself from the violence of the crime. And every time she did it, she would look at her mom through the glass, which is really right. interesting. I found that fascinating. And she uh-huh. says the only reason she was even at the crime scene that day is that she was an abused woman and that she was afraid that he was going to kill her too. 
and she doesn't know what Cody's reason was. She has no idea why. I mean, they keep going back to that throughout the whole episode that nobody knows why he actually wanted to kill her. She's really the only one with the motive, but that's fine. So in her Dateline interview, Tony says the sentence, well, when we finally got out to the designated area, and Keith doesn't let it go. Keith pushes her on it a little bit. He says, wait a minute, designated area. And she says, no, well, where we ended up. And that's not the same thing, obviously, as a designated area, because a designated area means that it's premeditated. Now, my only thought on that, again, I guess I am defending Mickey in a bad way, is I think she might be dumb defending enough Tony. to not know. Defending Tony. Tony, sorry. Yeah. I think she might not be smart enough to know what designated means. That's what I thought, too. You're not alone. I thought that, too. She's trying she to use a big word. like a pretty dumb teenager. Yeah, exactly. On the other hand, it could have been a giant slip up that makes her whole story a lie. But easily the defense people could be like, she was just using a word. She did not know what it meant. Oh, yeah. Then we get the final version of the murder. It seems like the reporters of Dateline found this because it's buried in the court files. There's details about the first plea that Cody took and then decided he wasn't going to take the the plea where he changed his mind. Cody had gone in to his hearing and started to give a sworn statement about the crime. And it went something like this. Basically, there was an incident at school where Tony sees Mickey in the hallway and calls her a slut. Cody tells Tony to knock it off, pulls Tony aside and says, why don't you guys just talk it out? Just hash this out. No, I think it was fight it out. He says talk. And then Tony says, fight. Cody says that that's why Mickey actually got in the car that day and they went to pick up Tony because Mickey had agreed to hash this out with Tony once and for all because she's sick of her calling her a slut in the hallway. So they could have this confrontation. That's why they drove all the way out to these gravel pits so they could do it away from prying eyes. Now, at this point, they get interrupted from the statement when stupid defense attorney comes in and says, no, no, he's not going to be taking the deal. So that's all we have is this tiny version of the very beginning of the story. So I'm really annoyed. Are you annoyed? Yeah. I mean, at this point, we would have to not say that this would be the true story because this would be version number five. Mm -hmm. But I still wanted to hear where it was going. Me too. Why did I say going? So I've been watching Florida Bama Shore. And I think their way of speaking is rubbing off on me. It could be. It happens. So DJ, the sister, thinks that this was all planned out no matter what. She said she saw Tony's anger escalating towards Mickey for months. And Cody, I guess, kept playing sort of these nasty pranks on Mickey. He apparently cut her with a box cutter on the arm as a joke. Which is a weird story. I don't really That's understand what happened. But and he, the sister saw it happen. And she said at that point, because Mickey didn't like drama, she decided to just cut Cody out of her life. And that made Cody kind of freak out. He Which, would, by the way, is the correct decision. If someone cuts you with a box cutter, you do cut them out of your you life. You do. You, you say bye-bye. Right. And well so then done. He would try to just make her mad in various instances just so she would react to him and talk to him yeah he was like a little boy like pulling on her pigtails trying to get her to talk to him because he missed her i think he was in love with her 
Oh, I think he was too. And I think Tony knew it. And so apparently Cody had been trying for months, according to DJ, to get Mickey to come out with him and Tony. There were all these various reasons, excuses. That's weird. Yeah, that's weird. Come out with the two of us who both seem to hate you. And DJ said Mickey felt like that wasn't right, that something was really, really wrong. And the family says that she would never have gone with them willingly. She was too smart for that. So this one time that she wasn't getting a ride, she was all alone at school, DJ at college, Christina at NASCAR, they got her in the car. Or they held a box cutter to her and forced her in the car. Absolutely. And it really was like against her will. But I think yeah. that both of them, I don't think that Cody is telling the whole truth when he says that just Tony and Mickey were going to hash it out in the desert. I think there's a lot more to the story than that. And then we find out the other really, really important bit of information, which is Cody had been having an affair on Tony the whole time and (laughs) not with Mickey. But not with Mickey. With an older woman who we don't know who it is, who actually loaned him the SUV that he picked up Mickey and Tony in the night of the murder, the murder car that drove the gravel pit. She, I think, is pretty and has a good personality. I think she's a, whoever this mystery woman is. The older one. She is a catch compared to Tony. We get maybe four sentences about that and then that's it. We're literally finding this out in the last maybe four minutes of the episode. This is the end. Totally. We find this out. That's all with the information we get. But I feel like that's important. So we end the episode with the mom going to visit Michaela at her grave which is in a private cemetery sort of sitting up on this ranch on a hill and she says Michaela's on the top of the world which is really sweet and of course another obligatory aerial shot of the town with Wendover Will and that is leads me straight into my OMG moment which is Wendover Will is smoking a cigarette he is he has a giant cigarette in his mouth I found that hilarious do you think that the town has not had the budget to go through and do their whole anti-smoking campaign changes to everything. I have no idea, but I thought it was amazing. But that's it for this episode. Did you have a... Well done, Katie. Everyone... Did you have an OMG moment for this? Or a guacamole? Um, Well, first of all, I'm so glad you brought up Tony tried to overdose on four aspirins. I really wanted to talk about that. Yeah. Um, I wanted to talk about in the town, there is... A brothel. Not in that town. Yeah. No, in Elko. That's where the court is. Oh, my God. Brothels. Okay, so brothels, but the sign said a quote unquote legal brothel. So legal is in quotes. So it's it's not legal. So it's not. It's Um, maybe legal. If you ever want to laugh, you Google questionable quotation marks on Mm -hmm. signs. Because you see things like smart lipo by a real plastic surgeon. So it's not, he's just like a guy with a vacuum cleaner hose attachment that Mm -hmm. does your lipo. And then like, yeah, (laughs) fresh meat, special chili today. That's amazing. Um, And then obviously like the biggest part for me, I just really want to talk in detail about Tony being a beauty queen. That was the greatest thing in my life. And you said you had outside info? Yeah. About um, about her sash. It said state ambassador was the sash that he she had on. Now, if okay. this is like toddlers and tiaras and what I know from TNT, when you are given an ambassador title, 
at a pageant, that's not a grand supreme or a mini supreme or one of the actual titles. A brand ambassador or a state ambassador ambassador title is given to the person who basically buys the most space in the program. (gasps) Oh my gosh. That was so good. It was so her parents basically bought her that sash. It's a horrible episode of Toddlers and Tiaras that I remember where this poor little girl, I mean, all she wanted was a princess or a queen title, and she gets an ambassador title because they bought the most ad space in the program. That's what ambassador meant in that episode. And I'm wondering when I saw ambassador title, I was like, oh, they bought it. They bought the title. They totally did. Thought that would make you really, really happy. That's so good. I know. That's so good. So what do you, what's, what's I immediately thought of Anne Veal in Arrested Development, her being in a beauty pageant. Yes. If you haven't seen Arrested Development by this point, after last week's Meet the Hosts, I'm disappointed. (laughs) Yeah. You're missing out. out. So, and everyone on Twitter could not let the beauty pageant go. Dateline should have just not said it. They should have just not said it. It's kind of mean. I feel like that was, again, the editors trying to have fun with us and be like, we need to give them some humor. Let's point out over and over again that she was in a beauty pageant. And then, because they, even when they bring her out in prison garb, they go, the former beauty pageant contestant. They rubbed it in so many times. And literally, they're showing pictures almost back to back of her and Michaela and Michaela's a really pretty teenage girl. Yes. Unfair. Yes, that's true. Unfair. <laughs> She's a murderer. Does she deserve fairness? She totally doesn't, actually. Yeah. So, why are you being so nice? Oh, by the way, for outside information, Cody only lived with the family for six weeks. It wasn't very long that he oh, lived at the house before the murder. And if anybody gets a chance, please go and look up the Anderson Cooper video where he interviews, again, interviews Tony from prison and has- Anderson the, does? Anderson does. And has My the boyfriend? entire Costanzo family talking <gasps> to Tony while she's in prison and accusing her of fake what? crying and having no emotion. <gasps> and they think, yeah, it's I really I didn't even think bad. she even tried to fake cry. But she I, does I didn't in, even see her even attempt to fake she cry. She does in this video and it's- awful not a tear not a one the sisters are calling her out it's really so do good. we think so again devil's advocate could she be just a terribly abused victim who has suppressed all her emotions or is she just seriously a sociopath i mean in comparison with cody whose voice is breaking and i think he threw up in the interview room but he's he was just really upset yeah he was devastated at what he did mm-hmm. and how much he loved mickey and mm-hmm. she cannot even f- fake a tear. She's so deadpan. And she almost seems annoyed that she's having to answer, yeah, we hit her with the shovel. Like, she doesn't even want to talk about it. I don't know what he was doing at that time. I had to go to the car. I don't yeah. know. He was slitting her throat. Whatever. You it's know, the, whatever. It's, it's, it's not pretty, good. It's not good. No, it is not. Not at all. There were a couple quotes I wanted to talk about. Oh, yeah. I got a quote. Um... A bad idea that became a horrible idea. A bad idea that went very, very bad. Just come up with a new adjective. I was furious at that. I couldn't deal. But I kind of, I was like, for some reason, on. at this point I am in my mood, I was kind of like, I kind of feel like he's talking about my life. No. <laughs> um. They also used the phrase sniff test. And it got me thinking, where did that phrase originate from? There was a cop that had to smell a piece of evidence 
or maybe, I don't know, like arsenic or something. I feel like it's a very old phrase. Oh, yeah, that's and interesting. Then with, Sniff out poison? This, I don't know. I have no idea. I like it smells that like murder in here. I don't I don't know what but they were smelling some things that probably were gross. Yeah. Um also Keith pronounces the word pajamas because of course he does. So what does he Keith say? Because Keith is not gonna say pajamas. He says which pajamas. is how I say it. Yeah. He says pajamas. Of co- because of course. Yes. Because good. he's a Harvard man. He's a Harvard man. Stop it. That's how yeah, pajamas. Um He's East Coast it. royalty. Yes, he is. <laughs> Wait, and I had the, the last quote from the end, which was just, it's too good. It's Keith poetry at the best, and it makes very little sense. It is, and here on this little strip on the I-80, Wendover's, Wendover Wills still waves his grinning welcome, but he points to a place a little older now and sadder, as if the neon lights strung up among the desert casinos had picked up a layer of grief. That's like two paragraphs. And there's some good alliteration that's in there with the Ws. Sentence. Oh, yeah. He nailed that it. Is, that's beautiful. Good job, Keith. Like a layer, mm-hmm. truly. Somehow I yeah, picture yeah. Keith sitting out on his veranda with a black fountain pen, just sort of writing out these lines. Well, And then licking an envelope, <laughs> sealing it, handing it to his assistant and say, tell them we'll be closing with this. <laughs> and then, looks, know what and to then do. looks off. Looks off into the distance. And then he says to himself... Well done, Keith. Another gem. <laughs> exactly. Good. We nailed it. <laughs> He's so proud of it. And then he lights a pipe. I know. Like, I was thinking a it. pipe, but then he turned into Gandalf in my scenario, <laughs> and he can't be Gandalf. So he's much better than Gandalf, although he is a little bit like a white wizard. If he wanted to be yes. a white wizard for Halloween, I would be okay with that. Yeah. Okay. He is our white wizard. We mm-hmm. can call him that. Although white wizard what? now has really bad connotations, because aren't the people that are really high up in the KKK oh, called God, the Grand that's Wizard? that's a clan thing. Yes, they are. That's correct. Okay, Keith, yeah, you're not that call. kind of a white wizard. You're a Lord no. of the Rings. You're a Tolkien white wizard. Okay. <laughs> I'm so glad we clarified that. Yeah, let's clarify. We are not sending a dog whistle out to clan this members. Is not a whistle. That Keith is one of them. He Jeez. is not. Yes, he's not. I don't think any clansmen are listening to our show. I hope not. Turn it off right yeah, now. Yeah, if you are, turn it off. Um, did you have uh, any precious moments? No, I think there was supposed to be a precious moment with the dad, but everyone was just mad at him on Twitter because the dad Kip? was, no, the dad, Claude, Tony's dad, Oh, because he said, I'll be dead by the time she gets out. He's, everyone on Twitter was saying, well, they don't get their daughter ever again. Oh, They were mm-hmm. mad because he's only focused on that he doesn't get to see his daughter and that right. whole, the whole Costanzo family doesn't ever get to see Mickey again. So how do you feel right. about that, dad? Yeah. Right. That's not good. I thought there was a precious moment with this Mickey's sister and the whole leaving her outside thing. That's that was one hard. of the things I remember vividly from yeah. this episode because yeah. I did remember this episode and I remembered not wanting to leave Mickey in the grave out there at night. And they, the cops said, we're going to station people out here. She won't be alone. They were was... talking about her body. I and know. the daughter's like, but they're strangers. She shouldn't be out here with strangers. And then the mom was like, it made me feel really good to know that there were policemen watching over her. That night, you know, like it's just her body and they didn't want her to be out there by herself. I know. Cold. It's very, that was sad. It was touching. Um, The MVP of the week, who is yours? Wendover Will. (laughs) 
No. Except he's giving himself lung cancer. He is, totally. I can't, oh no, I can't pick him. I'm definitely saying Christina and DJ, the sisters of Mickey. The sisters. They were great. And the mom, but I really connected with the sisters. I like them. I'm going to stick with Cody's dad and his soothsaying he is the one who got everyone to confess and the police would know nothing if it wasn't for him. Okay. He's still picking up a teenage girl in her pajamas. That's all I'm going to say. I'm just going to leave that. I know. Who's your loser? Tony's mom. Oh, yeah, she is. She's mine, too. You need to yeah. watch these interviews. She's so just out to lunch. And then the scene where she's watching through the glass partition like a freaking mob boss or something, mm-hmm. observing her daughter, giving her the nod of okay mm-hmm. before her daughter can answer a single question. Mm-hmm. Like Mm-mm. she's controlling the whole situation. Your daughter murdered another a peer. Yeah. Did you have any alternative theories? Because I do. Do you? Okay, let's go. What do you have? Cassie, Tony's mom. Okay. She was is the kind of mom that would... You remember the Texas cheerleader case where the mom killed the Texas cheerleader so that her daughter could get on the squad? What? Yes, this happened, I believe, in the 90s. And oh, my God. she killed a member of the cheerleading squad so that her daughter could make the team. <gasps> yeah. You think this um, is a beauty pageant thing? I think it's a mom knowing that her daughter is maybe... Stop it. Desperate for her to be popular and cool and get the boy. And she saw Mickey, who was very pretty and cute and popular and athletic and fun... As the enemy to that, because the daughter was always like, he likes Mickey more than he likes me. Mickey's prettier than I am. He should just be with Mickey. And the mom was like, well, I'll take care of it. Mickey's your competition. I'll take care of it. Because you need to get what you want in this life. And you're not going to find a a cuter guy than Cody. So let's do it. So she took care of it. Maybe they took care of it together. And Cody just tried to go along with... He was so brainwashed by that family. He was just lying to take the heat for it. It's a believable theory. Because she's that kind of mom. Yeah, she is. She defends her daughter like nothing. Yeah, And you saw her through the glass partition, nodding, like giving her approval. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. She controls things in how she wants her daughter to be perceived Mm -hmm. and what she wants her daughter to say. And I think she would kill for her daughter. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's what I, I'm thinking. She had a part in it. I buy it. Really? I buy it. I'll buy it because we don't know what the real story is here. The whole thing is so irritating. I mean, yeah. I feel like people on Twitter seem to get a little mad too because they bring up the zip tie, then completely forget about the zip tie the whole episode, which is a key thing that this right. she was taken against her will regardless of any of these stories. Yeah. There was a point when she was zip tied. Yeah, the zip ties don't make sense in the story about the fight. They don't make sense in the story about we were just going to go for a ride and she was going to help me with car parts. They don't make sense in any version of the story, pretty much. The zip tie doesn't fit there. Somebody premeditated it. Yes. Somebody premeditated because you had to buy a zip tie. Yes. You had to do that. And that's what people on Twitter were saying was that there was a Walmart trip here. Yes. And they got the shovel and the zip ties. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. And there are some sick people in this world. It's upsetting. Yes. This is yes. not a very holiday episode dateline. No, I mean it there was Christmas, right? Well, they had they mentioned that they, they had mentioned their first Christmas, Christmas one time. I don't understand. Mickey. Oh yeah, yeah. And I was like, Oh, there's the theme. First holiday without Mickey. 
there's got to be more appropriate Dateline repeats <laughs> for yeah. the holiday times. Come on, we don't have any Hanukkah episodes. Sheesh. No, because Jews, we don't do that. You don't kill thing. your own. Yeah, no, it's true. We that's like true. drama that's like yelling drama, and then we just eat kugel and get over it. That sounds so, wonderful. Yeah. Do you have any um, alternative titles? Yeah, I've got a few. Okay. Not really good Are ones. Good? I was busy this week doing my horrible recap. My job. Yeah. <laughs> It was bad. I'll do mine first this time. Okay. All right. I have obviously designated area. That oh, that's have been good. Yeah. A good title. I have dead eyes and lies. Ooh. <laughs> would have been good. And then just my last one, which is important. Wendover, will I get out of this town? <laughs> <laughs> that's it. What you got? <laughs> this is what happens. But Mickey's family seemed like super happy in that town. Her mom worked at the casino. I think everybody has to work at the casino. They That's go where to you make the money on vacation. Yeah, they're fine. They're like, fine. They were happy. I it's don't want to fine. look down on the town. I don't, but they I did keep have... showing these aerial, literally looking down. And then we go to the town with the trial, and they show us the brothels. They show us the brothels, and then this gorgeous courthouse, which is weird. Elko is 110 miles away. That's how small this town is. That so they had to go 110 miles to the Does place. Does that mean if you courthouse. got a traffic ticket, you had to go 110 miles yes. away to repeal the ticket? They called it. It's Elko County, and they called it what's it? Oh, a micropolitan instead of a metropolitan oh and micropolitan. Wow. I thought that was amazing. So I guess it's all these little cities in Nevada. Wow. Yeah. There's something about that small life. Everyone knows each other. I find it very appealing. I just don't like the desert because I hate sand and dust. So I like really hate them. Like so I you don't, don't want like them beach on me. or desert. Do you like the mountains? Like a lake. I like a lake. I like being near water, but not the sand. So you and do well dust. in a wolf pack, but you yes. would not do well. Okay. No, but they lived in the desert, kind of, and they drove to the lake. It Remember? was. It was a they fake was like lake Laughlin. in the middle of the desert. Yeah. Where so, did you and your brother drive? Again, every time I hear these desert episodes. Utah. Yeah. That was good. In the mountains of Utah when we almost died. Yeah. We almost were murdered. I'll tell that story another time. That should just be its own episode because you were almost a Dateline episode. <laughs> yeah. That should be its own. Kimberly's journey into night. And that's <laughs> it. It's perfect. All right. What are your titles? Um, The Pajama Game. Cute. That's great. Um, It's a movie. Yeah. I think with Doris Day. Um, Again, I think we've stolen this from a previous episode and a previous Twitterer. Tony, Tony, Tony. <laughs> Whenever there's a Tony. Yep. Um, I also always want to do the episode from Seinfeld where there's a Tony and George is always like, Tony, hey, Tony. And he just thinks he's so cool. Um, I got a little song that got stuck in my head, Yay. which was digging up them holes, dig it, digging up them holes, dig it. Do you remember that song from the movie Holes? I've never with seen Shia that. LaBeouf. I've never seen Holes. I just know the song because it was on all the previews and they just have to dig holes in the desert. That's all the, I think they're prisoners or something. Oh Lord. Like maybe they're in like a, a youth camp and they're forced to just dig holes in the desert. And that's the song. Digging up a hole, dig. And then they go into a rap, and Shia LaBeouf raps oh my God. a whole verse. It's awesome. I can dig it. It. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I had uh, Tony and Cody, and they're no good, very bad idea. That's great. That, that um, quote was insane. Yeah. 
And then my last one is Under the Desert Lie. Yeah, that was good. I did it for you. I like it. I almost yeah. wrote that. I thought of it and then forgot about <laughs> it. It was good. Um, Twitter. All right. Here's what we got. N- no one's allowed to make fun of me. Okay. So the Dateline NBC asked the question, do you think Cody knows more about who killed Mickey? Yes. <laughs> and Brownie Boy. If anyone wrote no, they're just an idiot. I know. Brownie, no, I think he's being totally truthful. Brownie Boy 007 wrote, I think his lazy eye made him do it. <laughs> Did he have a lazy I eye? I totally didn't see it, so I wanted to know if you saw it. Did he have a lazy I didn't eye? See it. Oh, I'm so I bummed. thought he kind of was cute, but they did mostly show him from a profile with he, that mustache that was terrible. At Tommy Sweeney one said, "Never trust anyone under 25 named Cody." That's a great. <laughs> and I felt thumb. like that was a great bit of advice. Those those um Disney twins that had the boat show. The Sweet Life of Zach and Cody. There we go. Yeah. But the but you know one of them's on Riverdale now. Oh. One of them is Jughead Jones. And I oh. didn't even realize it was him. And then I was like, what? Sweet I had, I only have watched like the first 20 minutes of Riverdale. So I don't think I've gotten to him yet. Oh, you're going to have fun. Riverdale is Riverdale is a fun binge. I had a I was sad when I finished season one. I was like, Ooh, Ooh. I'm excited. Okay. Then we have. So then at Stick It To Me. Buh, buh. BB, it said, it's the religious ones that always get me. And I'm also suspicious of freakishly tall men. Not sure why. No. But I totally agree. What I, happened there? I don't know. <laughs> I'm suspicious. He was like 6'6", six, six, and I was like, no. That's what my <laughs> first reaction was. So I, I hear you stick it to me. I understand. It is like I'm Jonah on Veep. And they just... Like, yeah. Um, okay. I at, like tall guys. At Captain Southend... Not trying to be cruel, because Lord knows I'm no great beauty. But did they say that Tony had been a beauty queen? Really? I love lots the, uh, and lots. I picked one because self-deprecating. I'll, I know. I'm not say, exactly. Okay. Anyways, at Flow Join Texas. Every time I watch hashtag Dateline, I'm surprised by the number of cars that have shovels in the trunk. Thank you. Yeah. Who has a shovel in their trunk? No, they didn't. They totally planned it. At Danny Tanner, underscore 420. Danny Tanner, like from Full House? Yeah. Underscore 420. This person is fun, whoever they are. (laughs) The nerve of Tony's dad to say, I might not be alive by the time she gets out. Yeah, well, Mickey, she doesn't get to see her family ever again. That's your daughter's fault. Sorry. Yeah. That was. That's true. It's another thing. All right. At underscore Jessica underscore chap lips equals deceit. And you can quote me on that. <gasps> Who had chap lips? In parentheses, I'm watching hashtag Dateline and this bitch is hashtag guilty. <laughs> Tony. Was it Tony? Tony had really Tony chap lips. Tony needed some Vaseline. Yeah. You didn't For... see that either? No. I uh-uh. It. I didn't see it. She um, needs some Burt's Bees. Uh, Afredo Rap. Yay. Dang, that city is like the saddest Coen Brothers movie ever. (laughs) Yes, it is. Uh, At State of Amy, quote, I was pissed that she wasn't cool with me randomly slashing her arm with a box cutter, end quote. (laughs) Cody, probably. That's what she said. (laughs) Why is she overreacting? I was just doing it to to get her attention. So stupid. We're Uh, just joking around. And then at Los Torre, Tony's mom looks like she wants to talk to the manager at every restaurant she goes to. Yeah, Tony did it. 
Yep. Yeah, yes, Cassie she looks did. like that. She's complaining about the salad bar again. And then the most important text. <laughs> yes, they really the are. The most Ugh. important text at Cindy Boxer. Tweet. Tweet. The most Not important. Text. Oh, my goodness. You'll get the it. The most important tweet at Cindy underscore She's new Boxer. at this, guys. I got two new chickens today. My last two pairs are Laverne and Shirley and Lucy and Ethel. I named my newest girls Kimberly and Katie. I may have a problem. So that takes us into the news. Wait, and didn't she do some special hashtags She did a special hashtag. Hashtag I'm not a stalker. Hashtag I love you guys. And we love you right back. It's the only tweet I've almost commented on. I was really excited about the chickens. I think, I, Cindy, I wrote to you, I wasn't sure how to feel yet. I was still processing. Cindy, I'm going to tell you straight up, I owned chickens when I was a kid, so I was over the moon. I felt the it, it was the best Christmas present you could have given me, so I am <laughs> stoked. We are a classic comedy pairing like Laverne and Shirley. That is so overly generous. It is so overly generous. It's still It's the greatest honor. honor. I am. Greatest honor. I am so excited. Okay. Yes. Happy Hanukkah to me. Things what, in the news? What do you have in the news? I'm ready. Well, Rex, who's our, the Rex the dog, the, the terrier. TV, yeah, the TV terrier. Yeah. Yeah, 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 Everyone knows Rex. Pointed out that there are now blankets coming soon on the NBC Dateline store. Oh my God, I'm they, so excited. They have, looks like fleece on one side, they're blue on the other side, and they say Dateline on them. They're not the Snuggies, they're blankets, and they're coming soon. But I feel like we're, my petition is making real progress here. I am, I'm excited for it you. It starts in the streets, and then it works its way up to Washington, and that's what's happening. Starts in the street. And then I wanted to give some updates um, on Whamageddon. Yes. So poor Linda, she <laughs> says... I'm out. I opened an email from my boss while at a 4-H riding meeting with my granddaughter. As I cried out in despair, all of the horses spooked. (laughs) Everyone laughed and no one took pity on me except for Kimberly. Because I was like, no, Linda, it got Linda. R.I.P. Linda will miss you. Um. It's so sad when someone goes, then Susan Morgan, this is so good, Whamageddon, I'm out, waiting in a doctor's office in a paper gown. There was nowhere to run. <laughs> that is amazing. But so I'm still in. I've been in this. I was in the CVS. Ooh. And I was, I had my headphones on, blasting it up. I was so scared. But then I had to turn it down to talk to the pharmacist. And they were playing some like D-list Christmas music of songs they've never heard, like someone put a mixtape on of like, listen to these new artists' Christmas I've heard, songs. I've heard some bad ones this year. Right? There was so one they were that like I, going like anti-classic. Yeah. I was, thank God, it was so bad, but I was like, thank God, it's not last Christmas. That's and funny. so I've made it. I've made it into a couple stores. It really adds this huge anxiety factor level to, to your, your grocery life. shopping. It's very fun. I'm super enjoying it. Um, and the best tweet ever. I hope you're ready. Besides Cindy's, of course, about the chickens. Are you ready? Matt Whitlock, MP, said, Your rap name is Young, plus something you always carry with you no matter where you go. Josh Mankiewicz tweeted, Young photo of Keith. 
That's wonderful. Yeah. That's great. How, I mean, their bromance is so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was. Um, so thank you to everyone for writing to us. Thank Please you keep so writing much. to us. Yes, we do. Thank you. We do like it. And we have a few special thank yous this week for people who have donated to our fund. What Yay. is our fund? We don't have a fund. People who have donated a, to a us. A date with Dateline fund. True. And also, please remember, you have five days. Well, no. Kind of. You have four days. And we're going to announce our charity on the 22nd. So Ooh. don't forget. Um, but a very special thank you to Shannon, who wanted us to get some lunch. We I love lunch. I never treat myself to lunch because it seems like a wasted meal. And I think we should treat ourselves to lunch. I think we're going to treat nice ourselves lunch. to lunch. Yeah, I think that was really sweet. Also, it and then maybe Kimberly, go to Walmart. It forces for Kimberly to spend time with me. So yeah, that's true. That makes me I don't happy. And also, leave my house. Like I have to put on right. Clothes. So this is perfect. And not pajamas. And we will not be ordering in. We will be going out to a place where you have to interact with other people, like waiters, like a wait and- staff. Yes. And then we would also like to give a very big thank you to Barbara. Barbara, my parents' neighbor, who I should be paying her. Because she has to put up with my parents and Huckleberry, the loudest dog ever has that's lived, that was kicked out of doggy boot camp by the owner who said he had never seen such an alpha dog in all of his years. He sent Huck home and said, I can't. I'm sorry. I'm done. Like, I think he quit. I think he closed his practice. <laughs> he done. couldn't after Huck. <gasps> he was done. So, and Bar- poor Barbara has to live by Huck. Oh. This a lot. Thank you so much. I'm glad. We're really glad that you listen. It makes us feel yes, good. Yes, we love you, thank Barbara. You, and thank, thank you. And thank you to everyone, even if you haven't donated. Thanks to everyone who listens. It's um, Well, happy Hanukkah, everyone, and happy holidays. Follow us on Twitter. Yeah. Follow, thank you so much for the donations, the comments. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes for Christmas. If you do one thing this year for Christmas, give us the gift of a five-star review on iTunes. And then we could get new and noteworthy, which leads other people to find our podcast. Yeah, So the stars and the reviews are really, really important. And you can make a donation at paypal.me forward slash a date with Dateline. And remember, don't watch alone. Watch with Tony's mom staring at you through a glass partition. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Excellent. Bye, Bye, everybody. everybody.